0: once again enter your holy written word we look to the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us into the truth of the word open our eyes up to see it as it's meant to be seen open our ears up to hear it as it's meant to be heard Lord I am believing I am believing that the revelation of these glorious truths will be rooted deep in our hearts and that, Father God, would, whatever we hear this day, we will be sure by your grace, not just to be hearers of the word, but to become doers thereof. We expect, because we are doers of your word, to see the fruits of our, of our uh, ventures of faith, of stepping out and being obedient to your word. That's what you said would happen. I expect blessed people in this place, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Now, this morning, what I want to do is continue on our study of what manner of man Jesus was when he walked the earth and what manner of man or woman each one of us should be as his followers, as Christians. And last week, and let me just remind you, we do have messages up on our our, web page. It's the podcast. You can click on that. It's usually up by Tuesday at the latest uh, but if you want to go back and re- re-listen to one, or if you have missed a service for whatever reason, you can go and listen to it. Just a heads up. It doesn't cost you anything, obviously, to do that. But anyway, uh, I, I, I'm saying that because I'm not going to do a lot of re- uh, going back and going over the things we've already covered up to this point. But last week, we began to look at another attribute of Jesus that he demonstrated to you and me during his time here on the earth. And it was the fact that Jesus was always faithful. He was always dependable. He was always reliable. He was always trustworthy. In other words, he could be counted on to do whatever the father asked of him. In fact, he made the comment, I only say what I hear the father say. And I only do what I see the father do. In other words, all Jesus did, he did by faith, which pleased the father. Amen. The only way we can please God is if we're living by faith. We do what we do by faith. And Jesus, the, in the one scripture, I don't remember exactly where it is, it's in the Gospel of John, but Jesus made the statement, I, all that I do pleases the Father. That's my paraphrase of it. But you see that Jesus was a man of faith. He was faithful to do what he was instructed to do. Amen. Now, I don't know if you're grasping this or not. But that should be the goal of every single one of us in this room this morning. Every one of us should, we should desire to be more like Christ. And that means in this area of faithfulness. Every one of us should get to the place where we can say, just like Jesus said, whatever we hear the Father say, that's what we're going to say. Whatever we see the Father do, that's what we're going to do. Now, I tell you what, that's a big statement, isn't it? To be able to get to that place where you're able to live that way. And I know a lot of people say, well, that was Jesus. He's the Son of God. Of course, he could do it. No, again, Jesus did what he did when he was here on this earth as a man. Just like you and me, a human being. He had emotions, he had feelings. All that he did, he did anointed with the Spirit and by faith. Well, glory to God, we have the same Holy Ghost anointing us. And we have the same access, the same opportunity to get into the Bible and have faith come to us just like Jesus did. Amen. So it is possible for us to get to that place where we can be operating In a level of faith that always pleases God. Amen. Being found faithful to do whatever God's telling us to do. Hallelujah. And last week we looked at several scriptures that speak of God's faith on us. I just want to go over a couple of them. Or a few of them. 1 Corinthians 1, 9 from the Amplified. Boy, this is so good. God is faithful. Reliable. Trustworthy and therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on. That's my God. That's my God. Boy, I tell you what. That right there ought to be something you write down and go over and rehearse and speak out. My God is faithful. My God is reliable. My God is trustworthy. My God is ever true to his promise. My God can be depended on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 from the Passion Translation. Boy, this makes me want to shout. Like Everything makes me want to shout, but that's okay. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Woo! Is that good news? Thank you, Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Who will do it? I love the way they just added that on there. God is faithful. God is faithful. Who also will do it? Who also will do it? He will do it. I don't care what he's spoken to your heart. He will do it. Because he's faithful. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 But the Lord is faithful who will establish you. The passion says there place you on a firm foundation and guard you from the evil one. Lamentations 3.22 and 23 says through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is Your faithfulness. Great is your faithfulness. And then finally Psalm 37.3. Trust in the Lord. And do good. Dwell in the land. And feed on his faithfulness. The Passion Translation there says. Fix your heart on the promises of God. And you will be secure. Feasting on his faithfulness. Now when I read that. In my mind, I was reminded back to the days when I played college football. When I'm eating food with, now I'll say it this way, and I have family, you know, eating with my family or whatever, I consider that feeding on that food. But when I played college football, we would always find us one of those buffets. They know what I'm talking about, pizza buffet or whatever. You would go in there and we would show up and all the people in the restaurant who worked there began to grimace with pain because they knew they're going to have to get busy fixing a bunch more pizzas. Because when we got into it, we began to feast on that pizza. And in fact, I remember another time when I was with Jones Brothers and a few other men in uh, uh, Missoula, we went to an all-you-can-eat Uh, buffet, but it was uh, prime rib. I like prime rib. But we got there, and we ate so much of it, they ran out. They ran out. But that, to me, is what, you're you're just eating so much. Oh, my goodness, you have to unfasten your belt. You say oh. Then then you kind of burp a little bit. Oh, it opened up a little bit of room. (laughs) Let me get back. Am I the only one who ever does something like, never mind? Hallelujah. But, but, the, but the point I'm trying to make, that's the way we're supposed to be with God's faithfulness. We're supposed to be feasting on his faithfulness. Glory to God. No, just don't go in there and get a little smack dab. I just it. You know, like you ever seen them restaurants? I've been to restaurants like that. They're real fancy and they bring you out a plate of food. Here's a $100 plate of food. They put it down. It's like a little dollop of this thing, a little dollop of that thing. I'm like going, What's that? That's ridiculous. I can't, you can't feast on that. You can barely feed on that. (laughs) Give me some food. But that's the way we're supposed to be with God's faithfulness. Not just a little dab, will do you? I'm talking about feasting on it. Throughout your day, feeding on God's faithfulness. Is our God faithful? Is Jesus faithful? Is he reliable, dependable? Can he be counted on? Everybody say with me, God is faithful. Everybody say with me, Jesus is faithful. Amen. Thank God for Jesus, the faithful one. Now, this morning, I want to expound on this and the importance of each one of us having a greater revelation and understanding of the faithfulness of God by, as I just was talking about, feeding on faith, the faithfulness of God. Listen. I cannot express this to you enough. You might not think it's that big of a deal right now. But as somebody who's smack dab in the middle of a great challenge, this helps so much. Spending time throughout your day reminding yourself of God's faithfulness. Amen. So important that you learn to do this. Well, go with me to Hebrews 11. And as you're turning there, I want to remind you about a few things about faith. Now, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on these points. But I just want to remind us of these points. Number one, our God is a God of faith. From the very beginning of the Bible, God demonstrated to us and established the law of faith. God said it, and it was. God said it, and it was. Over and over and over again, God said it, and it was. He established that principle from the very beginning. And as his children, that's the way we're supposed to be doing things. Amen. Because that's my second point. Our God expects us to be people of faith. As the Bible tells us, we're called to live by faith. The Bible tells us that faith is the only way to please our God. And the Bible tells us the only way to receive from God and inherit the promises of God is through faith And patience. Number three. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Romans 10.17. Thus without hearing the word. Faith cannot come. No word. Equals no faith. That's why a lot of Christians miss it. When they think they're stepping out into faith. When they are not. Because they're not basing it on the word of God. Are you listening? If it's not based on this word, on the holy written word of God, then it's not faith. And you cannot expect to get results from it then. But when it's based upon God's word, when you've been hearing God's word, the result is faith comes and now you can receive from God. Did you hear that? Amen. And then finally, number four, God has given us two main sources for obtaining faith. Number one, from our personal study of the word of God, excuse me, which includes reading the word, confessing the word, meditating in the word, and then number two, from anointed men and women of God, preaching and teaching the word. When you come to church, you should be receiving good word, amen. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this by now, but the knowledge and understanding of the Bible has increased unlike any other time in the history of man. Fulfilling a prophecy given by the prophet Daniel thousands of years ago that was going to happen in the last days. He spoke of and prophesied of a time when knowledge would increase. And, friends, I'm telling you right now, we are definitely living in the last days. And because of this increase of knowledge, and because we have way, I mean, a whole bunch more of anointed men and women of God preaching, teaching the Word of God, we now have the ability and the opportunity to grow and develop in faith unlike any other time in the history of man. Are you listening? Now, I said all that to ask you this. With a greater revelation and understanding of the word than ever before. And more anointed preachers and teachers of the word than ever before. Why in the world are so many Christians still struggling in their lives? Why are so many Christians failing to experience the blessings of God? Why are so many Christians just barely getting by in life, living from one defeat and failure to the next? I mean, with all the word we've received over the past several years, we should be operating in a higher level of faith and experiencing more and more of God's blessings than any generation before us. And yet, it just isn't happening with a whole lot of Christians. Why is that? Now, I realize that there are other, I mean, all kinds of reasons that you could probably bring out. One of the main reasons being that there's so many Christians are just hearers only. They're not doers of the word of God. As I said earlier, and as I was praying earlier, unless you're a doer, you're not going to be blessed. It's only the doer of the word who is blessed. Amen. I said, it's only the doer of the word who is blessed. Amen. Amen. If you're not doing the word, you can't expect to get the results. You can't expect to receive the blessings. You've got to do the word. But I also believe there's another answer to all of this. And it's not really as difficult to remedy as so many might think. I believe one of the major reasons so many are still struggling in their faith walk is because we have focused so much of our time and attention on preaching and teaching and learning about what God has said and not enough teaching about the faithfulness of the one who said those words did you hear that friends in order to have a rock solid faith we not only have to have knowledge Of what God has said. We also have to. And I say this just as importantly. even If even not more importantly. We must have knowledge. Of God's faithfulness. Think about this. When we deal with other people. What plays the most important role. As to how we're going to respond to that person. What they say to us. Or the character and reliability of that person? I mean, would you allow your children to go hang out with someone who just got out of prison? You know, have, had all kinds of run-ins with the law? Just because that person looked at you and say, it'll be okay. It's okay for them to come hang out with me. Would, would you feel comfortable in doing something like that? Letting your child go with a person like that? I don't believe so. So if our response to people is more dependent on their character than on what they say, why do we assume that a person is going to respond to the promises of God without any knowledge of the faithfulness and the reliability of the one who made those promises? I firmly believe if we're going to grow in our faith, And rise to that higher level of faith. And and, and literally grow in our maturity. And and become all God has created us to be. And fulfill all of our destinies. Then we're not only going to have to have knowledge of the word of God. And you get knowledge of the word of God in this church. We're going to also have to have knowledge of God's faithfulness. Amen. Now turn with me to two places in your Bible. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11 and Romans chapter 4. Praise God. I want us to look at Abraham, who is called the father of our faith. And we want to look at Sarah, his wife. and How they responded to and received the promise of a son. Hebrews eleven eleven. I love this verse by faith what does that mean that means sarah heard the word of god and is now responding to it right by faith sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age why Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Sarah's faith to conceive and bear a child when she was past the age, I mean well past the age, came as a result of something. What was that? She judged him faithful. She judged him faithful who had promised. Now look at Romans chapter 4. Oh man, I tell you what, I'm going to get to shouting here in a moment and I know I'm going to. I was in my second office. The Lord gave me something. Leave it at that. We're going to get to it in just a moment. Praise the Lord. Romans 4, 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith Of Abraham. How many of you out there are of the faith of Abraham? You are if you're a Christian. Who is the father of us all. Abraham is the father of faith. Our father of of, of the faith. Amen. As it is written, verse 17. I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him. Whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. So that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when I read verse 18, it's kind of challenging to understand. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. And goes on to read the rest of it. But I want to read this from the message translation and then from the passion translation. I want you to follow along. I believe I have it. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. Isn't that good? Uh, In fact, I just might want to read that one again. Deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do. But on what God said he would do. And then the Passion Translation of that verse says, Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word and as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many that they will be impossible to count. Praise you, Jesus. Now going back to the King James, verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, was he allowing what he saw Was he allowing what he could feel determine how he responded? And we sometimes struggle with this when we're stepping out and believing God to heal our physical body. My goodness gracious, this this homie slice is a hundred years old. A hundred years old. God is speaking to him, telling him, You're going to have a son. I'm sorry, you don't speak that language anymore? <laughs> Homie slice. You say it the way you want to say it, I'll say it the way I want. <laughs> this home slice see, I just that doesn't come out, roll off my tongue right. He's 100 years old. Sarah is 90, 90, 90. She's 90. And she's never, ever had children. Never been able to conceive, barren, her whole life. And that's when God spoke to her. I mean, God spoke to him. You're going to have a child of your own. They didn't put their focus on what they could see or how they could feel. He's so huge. He did not, verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. What happens when you put your focus on what you see and how you feel? You're going to get over into unbelief. But that's not what happened with Abraham, is it? He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Oh, man. I thought I'd get some good shouts on that one. He was... Also able to perform. Okay. I'm going to preach to myself over here. <laughs> Do you mind if I go on a little side journey right now? Thank you. love you, girl. I'm come on, and preach to you, in fact. Come on. <laughs> now, want to read this, now listen, I want you to pay attention. And if this doesn't get you excited, it better. You ready? Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Daniel and Joan believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. They took God at his word, and as a result, they became the owner of their own church building. God's declaration over them came to pass. Go to Bozeman and start a church, and your church will grow and reach hundreds upon hundreds of people in the Gallatin County and throughout the world. And not being weak in faith. Daniel and Joan did not consider the cost of the building. Nor the fact that it was currently under contract. Nor that they didn't have nearly enough finances to purchase it. They did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But were strengthened in faith. Giving glory to God. And being fully convinced. That what God had promised. He was able to perform. Hallelujah! Sometimes God gives you stuff and it gets you a little excited. It was so funny because the praise and worship team's up here praising and practicing and I began to shout and they thought I probably was shouting because they were singing. had nothing to do with that. It was because I was going over what God had just given me. I tell you what, see this is how you personalize the word. This is how you take it for yourself. God didn't just have me go and read over this just for for happenstance. You know what? I've been on this series. This is the what? The 23rd time. Well, uh, the 23rd part of this series. 23 times. But God, I know without a shadow of doubt, said, Daniel, I want you to go talk about Jesus being faithful. And I know the reason he did it was for me to remind myself of his faith on us. Because he knew I'd be going through this challenge. I tell you, what God has spoken to us is coming to pass. And I know this much. You can jump on the faith train with me, or you can stand on the sidelines. But I want want you to know this. There's going to be some shouting and rejoicing. And, and, And if you want to shout and you rejoice at that time, that's fine. But see, living by faith, you shout and rejoice before you get to that place. I said you shout and rejoice before you get to that place. See, I'm calling this done before it's done because that's the way God operated. He called those things that do not exist as though they did exist. This is our building. Fully paid for. Fully renovated. filled with people. Hallelujah. Not backing off. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to the 21st verse in the Amplified Bible fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. Now doesn't that sound like Abraham based his faith not only upon what God had promised him, but also upon God's reliability and faithfulness to do what he had promised him. Amen. Now let me share this with you. Here's my question. Were Abraham and Sarah... Always at this level of faith. Did they both immediately respond in faith to God's promise of a son? Now, if we were to only look here at Hebrews chapter 11 and Romans chapter 4, we would probably respond with a yes. But what does the Bible say? Go with me to Genesis chapter 18. Oh, glory to God. This is so good. God is so good. Genesis 18, verse 9. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will, shall, have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? She basically said, hey, my home slice isn't any spring chicken." And neither am I. This has got to be some kind of joke. And she began to lie. To life. What is life? She began to laugh. (laughs) Does that sound like the woman we just read about in Hebrews chapter 11? Now go with me to Genesis chapter 17, verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So, what does Abraham do when God tells him that Sarah's going to have a son? He falls on his face and he begins to laugh and do exactly what Sarah did. He laughs. Everybody say he laughs. Does that sound like the man in Romans chapter 4 who was called the father of our faith? No. Well, so how we have both Abraham and Sarah laughing in unbelief and doubt, asking themselves, how in the world could we possibly have a son when we're both so old? And yet, did we just read in Romans chapter 4 and Hebrews chapter 11, that both of them were operating in such strong faith that they had the promised son? Well, what happened from the time they were laughing in doubt and unbelief, until we read about in Romans chapter 4 and in, in Hebrews 11. What took place? Well, I'm going to stop right here. And you're going to have to come back next week. And you're going to have to find out. What happened from the time of laughing and unbelief and doubt. To the time where they received. Sarah received strength to conceive and bear a child. When she was past the age, and Abraham received that promise, got that promise, son. What happened? What happened? Oh, you want to know. You want to come back. And I promise you this. You come back expecting to get some good stuff. See, you need to keep coming. It's good, isn't it? You want to hear right now, don't you? Oh, you want to hear, don't you? Oh, well, I'll tell you tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Listen, I cannot express this to you enough. There's, you know, one of the things as your pastor, I tr- one of the things you should be believing for your pastor, that I'm going to hear from God and go in the direction you want. He wants me to go for you. Are you hearing me? But I realize this, this isn't just for you. This is for me big time. This is for all of us, big time. And I am convinced it will change our ability to operate in faith and remain in faith. Probably more than anything else. And we're going to get into these things. And it's going to change us. And glory to God. Hallelujah. What we're going to be able to stand back and say, oh, what good things the Lord has done for me. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many are getting something out of this right now? Isn't this good. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's really, really, really good. See, I can say how I can talk how I want to talk. If he's homie slice to me, he's homie slice to me, all right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is truth. It's my desire, Lord, to always present it in such a manner that brings you glory and honor. And at the same time, ministers to the hearts of the people.